Justice. Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Thanks, Hilary. Um, my name's Stephen, by the way. I forgot to say that earlier on. I'm the youth minister at the church here. And uh, that yellow sheet, hopefully the back of it will help you. If it doesn't help you, just ignore it. That's, that's fine. Um, we're going to start by watching an advert from a long time ago. Hopefully this works. Where am I? On TV. Mm-hmm. She's nice. Who is she? Uh, your girlfriend. Does she love me? Oh, worships you. What's she eating? Rolo, my favourite. It's my last one. Oh. But you can have it anyway. <laughs> Do you love anyone enough to give them your last Rolo? A soft, creamy toffee in a milk chocolate cup. Quick, draw a bunch of flowers. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Um, that. That's Acts 4 Christianity summed up in an advert. Um, Christians are people who are willing to give their last Rolo away to someone else, to be generous, because that, that's our headline, Christians are generous. Um, and on the way through, we're going to get an example uh, and a warning. Um, Christians are generous, willing to give up their last Rolo. Um, here in the mix, we're looking at Acts. Um, so last time out, if you remember, we... Um, met a man who was lame uh, from birth and he was healed miraculously amazing and started leaping and jumping around well because of that peter and john two of jesus disciples and uh, and friends they were put in prison and commanded never to speak about jesus ever again and this is one of the patterns of acts Uh, as the gospel the good news of jesus goes out opposition grows and increases we're going to see it over and over again But look at how they react. Look at Acts 4, verse 31, page 1096 in the Bibles. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And look what they speak about, verse 33. With great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They keep speaking about Jesus, commanded to be silent, and yet they keep going. What legends. And not only that, but while others are trying to rip them apart and break them up, look at Acts 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. While others are trying to rip them apart, they stick together. And they're one. And not only that, but there's this amazing community built up where they're loving and caring and sharing everything. Like fellowship and friendship, affection, food, money, wealth, all that stuff shared and given out. Like what an amazing place. It would be so cool to be part of that, wouldn't it? Where there's this love and care and affection and generosity. Like Christians are generous. 
and generosity, this Acts 4 stuff is attractive, isn't it? It's a bit like um, a Subway sandwich shop. Uh, you know Subway, um, they have this incredible smell. You walk past a Subway sandwich shop and the smell is intoxicatingly, in- oh, it's amazing. Like you walk past and it's like this sweet, fresh baked bread, oh, amazing. And like you smell it and I want to get involved with a Subway sandwich after, eat, after smelling that smell. I want to go in and eat because it's so nice. It's like, oh, it draws you in. And that's this kind of generosity here in Acts 4. The, 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 the love and affection and unity of Acts 4 Church should draw people in. They should see how Christians act and go, wow, I want to be a part of that. And so, uh, is that how BH lives? Are we like Acts 4, 32, 37? And if we're not, how can we help make it so? How can we be kind and loving and generous to people who walk in the door for the first time? How can we show um, that same one heart, one, one mindness, that generosity to them? Or young people, um, on the 28th of April, anyone know what's happening? It's a big day for our year threes, our year sixes, our year nines. Move up Sunday, yeah. So uh, on that day, our year threes, year sixes, and year nines are going to move up to Explorers, Rooted, or KO. How can you guys, who are already there, how can you show love and kindness and generosity to those guys? They'll probably be a bit, be a bit scared. How can you welcome them in Christians are generous. And do you notice the scope of generosity? In verse 32, Christians are generous with everything. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. And we get an example in verse 34. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold it and brought the money to the apostles' feet and it was distributed to any who had need. Look at that generosity, everything shared. That's amazing. It's a bit like um, my marriage to Lizzie. Now, Lizzie and I, the Bible says, uh, 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 are not two, but we're one. Like, what's mine is hers, what's hers is mine. So, um, my Sean the Sheep cuddly toy is actually our Sean the Sheep cuddly toy. There you go, darling. Um, my... <laughs> like, my, 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 my Marvel DVD collection is actually our Marvel DVD collection. There you go. And, and, and like, when I say to KO on Sunday nights, when I say, KO, we're meeting at my house on Wednesday, Lizzie's right to say, no, it's our house, Stephen. Because what's mine is hers, what's hers is mine. We're one. And that's like the church. One in heart and one in mind, sharing everything. What's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. And that's why on Tuesdays when small group come over, or, or Wednesdays when KO come over for, for Bible study, or Thursdays Ruth and Bill up come over to for Bible study and food, Lizzie and I love it. We love it when you just walk straight into the house. When you don't knock on the door, we don't ring the door, but you just walk straight into the house and, and go, to the, go to the kitchen and make a tea and coffee yourself. We love that because that's you sharing our stuff. That's you coming into our home as your own. Christians are generous with absolutely everything. Um, Kevin DeYoung said, if you're rich in something, be generous with it. If you're rich in something, be generous with it. Uh, so how can you, or what can you share? How can you be generous? Maybe um, you're rich in time. Well, share it. Spend it with other people. Maybe join the pastoral team here at church. Or, or, or maybe you're rich in skills. Well, share your skills. Like join the band and play music and sing for us. Or, like John Gillam, make incredible wooden things out of your own back um, for our youth events. Or if you're rich in money, like most of us in the West... Give generously and lavishly to church. 
Or if you've got an amazing, beautiful house, be generous. Open it up. Bring people in. Christians are generous. If you're rich in something, be generous with it. And actually, BH, it is awesome when we live like this. It is so amazing. So I want to say a big thank you to you as a church. Thank you, guys, because your generosity has made it possible for us at KO to go to Scotland this Friday on a big, mission, on a big exciting weekend away. We can go because you've given. So thank you for your generosity to us. Christians are generous with everything. Um, and just a note on the flip side of this, too. Have a little look um, at verse 30. Sorry, 34. (laughs) There was no needy person among them. Like, if you have a need here at BH, if you need friendship or fellowship or help or or, or food or money, whatever it may be, if you have a need, please ask. And it can be awkward and embarrassing, uh, and we can be quite proud, but, but ask. Because we're one, we're a church, we're united. And we want to be generous with everything we have. Like Christians are made to do life together, not apart. So if you have a need, ask. Because Christians are generous. Like potentially the greatest Cypriot man of all time. Verse 36. Have us have a look at him. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. This guy is our generous example. He's generous uh, in two massive ways. First off, with his stuff. Look at verse 37. Joseph uh, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Like, that's in our Bibles. Even now, 2,000 years later, we are talking about Joseph's generosity. Like, he's known for being a generous kind of guy. Are you known for being generous with your stuff? And two things about generosity. Generosity, um, first off, it's easy to be generous when you're generous. Oh, sorry. It's easier to be generous in the big things when you're generous in the small things. And also, generosity, uh, like KO, Rooted Explorers, guys, like, it's easy to be generous when you've always been generous. You learn it young. So be generous uh, in your young age. Like my friend Ken. Um, Ken, every single break time, he used to, oh, let me get this. He used to um, buy three cookies uh, from the school uh, uh, cookie shop. Um, and he used to give two away. He used to buy three every break time and give two away. What an amazing, generous guy. Could you do that? Like a little show of generosity. And these will be back, back at church for you to eat if you want them later. So do enjoy them. But um, could you like do little things uh, to show your generosity? Like giving away cookies to people at school or, or bringing in bakes to work or, or going to your neighbor's house and doing stuff for them to be generous with, with your stuff. Because Barnabas is known as a generous guy. Are you? But he's also generous with his words too. Um. I wonder if you, any, any of you have a nickname. Why not tell the person next to you your nickname if you have one? You've got three seconds. One, two, three. Stop. So um, my nickname, my nickname, when I was at a Sparkford 3 summer camp, my nickname was Stephen Dustbin Demetrio, known for two things, how much food I ate and how quickly I ate it. Um, but, but, but that's rubbish. Look at Joseph. Look what he's known for. Look at his nickname in verse 36. Joseph a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Joseph's known as Barnabas, Mr. Encouragement. Like, he is so generous with his words uh, that he's known as Mr. Encouragement. I mean, imagine it. He, like, people just smile when he walks in the room because he just brings life to them. 
In fact, every time he's mentioned in Acts, in Acts 11, Acts 13, Acts 14, Acts 15, he's helping, he's serving, he's supporting, he's encouraging. He's a legend. Mr. Encouragement makes his mark. He's the kind of guy who is generous in his praise and stingy in criticism. What a great guy. And so, why not here, as a church, just be a church filled with Barnabas, plural of Barnabas. Um, Barnabas, people who, who, who would go out of our way to encourage. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if people smiled when they saw us coming because they knew they were in for a blessing? Wouldn't that be awesome if we were known as encouragers? And why not start after the service tonight, or today, this morning, go and find someone and encourage them. Because Barnabas is an example of generosity with his words and his stuff. But ultimately, Christians are generous because God our Father is generous. God our Father has given us absolutely everything we own, and so we can give everything away. He's given us so much, so we can give so much. It's all from him, so we can give it all away. Like God's generous to us, which frees us to be generous to other people. What an amazing God. Christians are generous. And we're going to find out about the warning in a few minutes' time. But, but for now, uh, let's uh, gather up um, the band and stand to sing our next two songs um, of praising God and thinking about Easter. So let's stand and sing these next two great songs uh, uh, about Jesus. Our reading continues on page 1096 in the Church Bibles, Acts chapter 4. We're going to go back a couple of verses and reread, starting from verse 36 in chapter 4. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but bought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church 
and all who heard about these events. Thanks, Hilary. Um, this is my secondary school, Queen Elizabeth Boys School in Barnet. Now, first day there, we had an assembly, year seven, uh, 180 hours in, in a big assembly hall. And like, at the end of the day, so we were feeling a bit tired and chatty and, and, and giggly and all that kind of stuff, and chatting away, chatting away. And as we're there, in the assembly hall, a voice bellows from behind us. Shut up and face the front! And like, we were so scared. Like, instant silence across the whole room. Mr. Armand, an ex-military officer, just yelled at us. And like, I was scared to even breathe. I was like, no, he's going to hear me breathe. This is bad news. We learned right at the beginning, in year seven, that you don't mess with Mr. Armand. He is scary, right? You don't mess with him. Like, you don't talk in assemblies, but, but, but you don't mess with Mr. Armand. And actually, that's what's going on here in Acts chapter 5 as well. Um, this is God teaching us a lesson. He's saying, you don't mess with me. Don't mess with God. And we learn that from Ananias and Sapphira. You don't mess with God. Because Acts 4 ends with, with, with Barnabas selling his field and bringing the money and giving it away. And Acts 5 begins with Ananias and Sapphira selling their property and giving their money away. But man, these two people are so different. Their attitude is so, so different. On the one hand, Barnabas is an example for us to go, well, look at him. But Ananias and Sapphira are a warning to us to avoid. And the warning is, don't mess with God. And did you notice what the issue started with? It all started with money. Uh, As David Cook said, wherever wealth is involved, sin is not far away. This is the first recorded sin in the New Testament church, and it's about money. It's a wealth issue. Uh, wherever Wherever wealth is involved, sin is not far away. So watch out for dangers of money. Because money's got this, this fascination with us human beings, hasn't it? We chase after it. Well, here for Ananias and Sapphira, it caused uh, their death. For us, it can become our God, something we worship, we think we need, we crave. It changes our thinking and our habits and our patterns. and our, It causes us stress and anxiety and anger. Watch out for money. See, the antidote is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 6. He says, do not put your hope in wealth. Put your hope in God. Be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. So we hope in God. But also, do you see the other part of the antidote? It's being generous. See, wealth won't hold on to us if we don't hold on to it. If we're giving it away, wealth's not going to hold our hearts. Christians are generous and that helps us battle this, this temptation and fascination with money. That's the first part of this warning. But the warning gets more serious too. Have a little look at Acts 5, verse, verse 1 and 2. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and put the rest at the apostles' feet. They're warning to us, don't mess with God. Because you can imagine the conversation, right? Sapphira comes home, Ananias is sitting there, and he says, Hey, Saf, have you heard? Wifey, have you heard? Barnabas. Everyone's talking about him. He's like the big cheese now. All because he sold his field and gave the money away. Like, everyone loves him. Peter and John are calling him a legend. Like, like I want that praise. I want to be liked. I want to be noticed. And then Sophia's like, well, Annie, because she, she, she called him Annie. She says, Annie, well, well, why don't we do that? We've got a lovely house. Let's sell it and give the money away. And you can imagine him just going, nah. 
That's too much. That's far too much. But, but I've got it. I've got it right. We'll sell the house. We'll give half the money away. Keep half back for ourselves. And then we'll say we gave it all like Barnabas. And everyone will go, look at those two. They're amazing. We'll get all the praise and all the money. Oh, yes, it's the best of both worlds. You can see their plan. And yet, there would have been nothing wrong with them keeping all the money, half the money, part of the money. Look at verse 4 of Acts 5. Peter says, didn't the house belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? He's saying, look, it's your money. You could have kept it all, gave it all away. Happy days. But the issue is that they lied. They tried to deceive God. See, they say, we're giving everything. And they only gave half. And they're acting like the father of lies, the devil. That's why Satan's mentioned in 5 verse 3. Satan has so filled your heart. See, Christians should be those in Acts 4.31 who are filled with the Holy Spirit and who, who follow the example of our heavenly father who is generous and awesome and they're acting like a different kind of father. They lie. Um, when I worked at Goldstone Primary School, great place, uh, I learned two things about lying. Number one, teachers always know if you're lying, right? Always. And number two, like, uh, lying only makes things worse. Every time. So it's like, I'll, I'll be on playground duty watching the kids, like, ha- having a good time. And then one would, like, punch another kid. And I call him over, tell him off, and he'd go, it wasn't me. I'm like, I just saw you punch. He's like, it wasn't me. Lying never works. Teachers always know. And it only makes things worse. And see, Alice and Sapphira aren't lying to a teacher or to Stephen in, in the playground. They're lying to God. Look at Acts 5, verse 4. Peter says, you have not just lied to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. You don't mess with God. And we may be thinking, uh, we may be feeling a little bit uncomfortable, wishing that Luke had left this bit out of Acts, uh, wishing that Stephen had skipped over this bit in the sermon this morning. But we need to hear this reminder that we don't mess with God. Because sin isn't like a little boo-boo or a small mistake or a tiny little thing that God overlooks. No, sin is serious. Sin is a vile poison, a deadly thing that infects our hearts, tainting what we say, we think, and we do. Sin is deadly to us. And Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Sin deserves judgment and death. And actually, if we're looking at Ananias and Sapphira thinking, this is a bit extreme, Stephen, what's going on here? It may mean that we don't understand the severity of sin properly. We don't understand just how vile it is, just how deadly to us it is, and how poisonous it is in God's sight. Sin is serious. If you don't mess with God. And it's a reminder for us here, uh, to, to keep fighting sin ruthlessly, to not give it an inch, uh, to, to not belittle sin but battle sin in our lives because it is deadly. You don't mess with God. Because the church is learning right at the beginning that God is holy and terrifying and powerful. I mean, have a look at Acts uh, 5 verse 10. Or verse 11, sorry. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. A second time fear is mentioned. We're meant to respond to God 
in awe and go, whoa, he is awesome and terrifying. But also, in verse 11, this is the first time church is used in, in, in Acts. And, and so this is God building the foundations of his church right at the beginning of Acts. And sin spreads and is vile, and so God is cutting out sin. It's kind of like, um, kind of like this. Uh, you get an apple, lovely, crisp, raven, delicious. You start eating it, enjoying it. And then you notice that there's like a rot. Um, let's get a nice picture up there. Yes. There we go. There's rot and mold on the apple. Well, what do you do with the rotten mold? You get a knife. You cut the rot and the mold out. You throw it away. Because otherwise, that's going to infect the rest of the apple and ruin that whole good bloody raven for you, isn't it? That's kind of like what God's doing here with his church. Right at the roots, right at the beginning, he's cutting out sins that it doesn't infect the whole church. Because imagine those guys um, in verse 6 and 10, those young men, those young Christians who have just become Christians maybe. Uh, in verse 6, they go and bury Ananias. And then three hours later, they bury Sapphira. Those men would have been changed. They would have been shaken. They would go, I'm not going to mess with God anymore. Oh, like Sin is serious. I'm not going to mess with God. They, they, they were changed by this event, no doubt. The question is, are we going to be changed by this event too? Because uh, the truth of Acts 5 is that actually we all deserve what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. All of us in this room, we're all sinful. And the wages of sin is death. We all deserve God's judgment. But remember what we said about God in the first part? He is generous God our Father gives the most generous and most beautiful gift. His Son, Jesus Christ, right? And this is the most amazing gift. When we deserve death, God gives us life through Jesus. Jesus, God's Son, takes the judgment we deserve so we can get the life. We can get life forever if we trust in Jesus. Jesus gives us life and we deserve death. He takes the judgment that Ananias and Sapphira got so we haven't got to if we trust in him. Isn't that amazing? What an incredible gift. And just a word, if you don't know Jesus as your friend and and if you're not trusting him, well, life forever is at stake. Look into him this Easter. Put your hope in Jesus because he gives us life and we deserve death. What an amazing gift from God. And this Jesus, he is so richly generous, lavishly generous. I mean, think about it. Jesus, he shared his body with us. He shared his blood with us. He shared his life with us as he died on the cross. So that we, if we trust him, might share in his forever life. What an amazing, generous gift from our Father. Isn't that awesome? And so Christians are generous because God our Father is generous and has given us the most amazing and most beautiful gift, his son. And actually, if we're finding generosity hard, the answer is to look at Jesus and to remember how much he gave up for us. Because Jesus didn't hold anything back with us. So let's not hold anything back with each other. What an amazing, generous God we have. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for that most beautiful gift, your son, Jesus. Father, thank you that Jesus brings us and gives us life if we trust in him when we deserve death. That is unreal and amazing. So we thank you, Lord. 
Uh, Lord God, please help us to be generous like Jesus, your son is generous, like you, our father, is generous. Lord, help us to live that acts for generosity in this church, Lord, we pray. Help us to be generous. Amen.